0: Folks, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like for
1: you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to continue today in our study of the Gospel of John. And our whole premise in doing this study was that we wanted to basically meet Jesus we want to understand who he is because if you if you if you have any understanding of what's going on right now in church or in Christianity in North America it's almost like we have been distracted by so many different things whether it's political or social or whatever that we've kind of lost sight of who Jesus is and the reality of why you and I as believers are in this relationship with Christ. And so that's the whole reason why we've been doing this series. We want to get to know Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. And so we're up to chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. And we've started out with John it's kind of an unusual way unlike the other gospels he starts out with a prologue basically giving us a theological statement about who jesus is and that jesus is god he refers to jesus here as the word now again i just want to remind you that when we talk about the word here in the ancient world the world whether they were from a jewish perspective or a roman greek perspective The Word represented the totality of all existence. The reason why everything existed. It was the basis for everything. And so he's pointing out here that the Word was with God. The Word was God. Well, we're going to see now, he's going to refer back to the whole issue of the Word here in verse 14. So I want you to notice with me. Notice now what... John writes, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Now, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this portion of Scripture and we're going to divide it into two sections. But let me start before I introduce you to what He's trying to show us here in the first section. Let me kind of help you to understand why these verses are important to you and I. Why, Why it's so important that we understand the reality of grace among us. And when I say grace among us, I'm talking about Jesus among us. Why is that so important? Because I'm going to be honest with you. We can lose sight of the reality of Jesus. Why? We can lose sight of so many things because we have so many traditions, so many doctrines, so many perspectives. It all becomes, well, we kind of lose it in the wash. What do you mean? What we're going to see here in a moment, verse 14 especially, he's going to talk about the birth of Jesus. Really? I didn't read that in verse 14. Yeah, you did except it's not the way that we're used to it. We're used to the whole concept of a babe in a manger. But that's not how he presents it. See, the reality is is that we lose sight of who Jesus is. To where the point is, is that Jesus becomes this abstract figure in our minds. He's my buddy. He's there for me. And yes, he is there for you. And yes, he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But there's more than that. And you can't lose sight of that. So let's take a look at this together. So the first thing we're going to notice is in verse 14, we're going to notice God with us. So again, I want you to notice with me what it says in verse 14. He says this, "...and the Word became flesh." and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth now from this you and i are going to see god with us now you're saying that sounds familiar where do we get where, where have i heard that before well it's from isaiah 7 in the prophecy that was given to King Ahaz, in which he said, Emmanuel, which means God with us, he's announcing the birth of the one who would be born to a virgin. God with us. That's that's Jesus. And this is what John is writing us here in verse 14. And we're going to see three things here. First of all, we're going to see that the Son of God became human and lived among us. The Son of God became human and lived among us. This, my friends, is the Christmas passage. Verse 14 is a Christmas passage. Well, it doesn't seem familiar to me, George. It doesn't seem that realistic to me, it's not talking about a manger, it's not talking about shepherds, it's not talking about the magi or the wise men, it's not talking about Mary and Joseph. No, but it's talking about Jesus. And it's referring to Jesus again with that word, the word. The word became flesh. God became flesh. The Son of God became human. And not just that he became human, he dwelt among us, he lived among us. So I want you to think about this, it blows your mind. This puts everything in perspective when we're talking about who Jesus is. Jesus is more than just your buddy, my friends. Listen, Jesus is God, and God, as the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, came, took on human flesh, being born of a human And he lived his life among humanity. That's what's so awesome. God with us. Here's the second thing I want you to see that John is pointing out. His divine greatness was seen by all. His divine greatness was seen by all. Look at what it says here, verse 14. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now, what's he talking about his glory? He's talking about his divinity. Well, I thought he looked like a man. Everybody didn't realize they they wouldn't have thought he was. No, but the reality of who Jesus was in his interaction, the divine reality of the one who could heal, the one who could speak the word and things happen, the one who walked on water, the one who forgives. They beheld his glory as only of the Father. His divine greatness was seen by all. See, this is where we lose it now. What do you mean? We can so humanize Jesus that we forget that he's God. And he's able to do what only God can do. He's awesome. And his divine greatness was seen by all. But the other thing I want you to see that John is pointing out to us in verse 14 is this. He was characterized by grace and truth. Grace and truth. Now listen, I think this is so important because you and I can get to the place where we lose complete perspective of who Jesus is. We begin to make up things in our mind about how he acts towards us. What do you mean, George? George. Well, we think that God, Jesus, is actually ruling with a rod of iron over his children. That he's ready to take you and I to the woodshed, so to speak, to, to discipline us, to, to spank us for when we do wrong. And that he's not gracious with us, he's there ready to point out every problem, even if it's a mistake, and we do make mistakes, we do give in to temptation. We do stumble. We do fall. And we have this concept of a God who is just ready to, to take it out on us. You know, humanity may be like that, but that's not who God is. And that's especially not who Jesus is. Why? Because when you look at verse 14, it says that he's full of grace and truth. That's talking about the very nature of who Jesus is. He's full of grace. Now, what's grace? Getting what you don't deserve unmerited favor that's who he is he is gracious to you and I even though we don't deserve it that's how he acts towards you the other aspect of it is that he's truth now that's kind of a wild concept in our days where everybody has their own truth but the reality is John is trying to tell us here look Jesus is the truth he is the truth he's full of truth even if his truth isn't what you consider to be truth, it's still truth. And so he is characterized by grace and truth. That's the reality of who Jesus is. So then that brings us then to what we're going to see in verses 15 through 18. What happens with this Jesus now, he is, he is God, son of God, who becomes human flesh he is among us. There is something different now. And see, this is what I want you and I to understand. So much of what we think about from Jesus comes from our culture, our church culture, that's gotten skewed over time. And in actuality, what's, what's happened is, is that we've, we've imposed on ourselves a law. And, and, and Christianity has become something of a burden for people. It's not the abundant life as we know it. It's it's actually a burden. And that's why, to be honest with you, on one extreme we see people leaving the church because they're like, "I'm, I'm done with that. But see, it's more than a service, isn't it? It's about a person. It's about Jesus. And what we're going to see now in verses 15 through 18 is that we're talking about a new way. Actually, for us it should be an old way, but it's a new way in John's day It hopefully will be new to you and I as we consider these five points that we see in these verses. So let's take a look, first of all, at verse 15. What does he say here? John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me here's the first thing i want you to see here when we talk about this new way here it is jesus is superior to the prophets jesus is superior to the prophets here is the greatest prophet of all john and john is saying to us this is he of whom i said this is the one that i was telling you about He is before me. He is preferred before me. He is superior to me. That's what John is saying. Listen to him. Everything else that I've said is pointing to him. In fact, all of the other prophets in the Old Testament, they're all pointing to Jesus. I would say to you folks, he is superior to everything. In fact, he's superior to all the wisdom that is out there in our world today, no matter where it's from. Jesus is superior You and I need to start thinking that. He's not just one option among the many that we need to consider whether or not we're going to follow. Am I going to do what Jesus says or or am I going to do what I think? Because you know I am wise. Yeah, but Jesus is far wiser than me. He's far wiser than anyone. So Jesus is superior to the prophet. Look with me now at verse 16. He says this. And, the, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Now here's the interesting thing about the new thing. Because you and I have experienced it as well. All believers have experienced the fullness of Jesus Christ. All believers have experienced the fullness of Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that we've experienced the fullness of Jesus Christ? What, George, I don't understand. What does that mean, I've experienced the fullness of Jesus Christ? Well, let's break it down for you. You and I have experienced, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we've experienced the fullness of Christ. How? His love. His salvation. His grace. His mercy. His forgiveness. His forgiveness his help, his peace. Think about your daily lives with him. John is pointing out that in this new way, you and I experience the fullness of Jesus every day. This is the one who's superior to everyone. He is the one, John is saying here, we've experienced his fullness. All believers have experienced the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's why, I'm going to be honest with you folks, it's more than just a belief. It's a relationship. That's what Christianity is. That's what salvation is. It's more than just ascribing to some doctrine. It's more than just saying, oh, I agree with that point. There's a lot of people who say Jesus is the Son of God, but that doesn't do anything for their lives. They go on about whatever they believe it or not. It's not a fact. It's a reality that can be experienced day by day. And he's saying that all believers have experienced the fullness of Christ. Not just that. What else is he saying here? With his fullness, there is immeasurable grace. See, when you and I experience Jesus, and I hope that's true for you and I today... When you and I experience his fullness in our life day by day, there is immeasurable grace. What does that mean? Like, so for instance, here in verse 16, grace for grace. For every grace, there's more grace. It's a picture like, okay, so I I really love the beach. I love the ocean. I like being on the beach. I love the seafood. I like, I like every aspect of the beach and being there with family and so forth, although I'm not at the beach this week, but I'd like to be. But here's the thing. When you go to the beach, what do you see? The waves. And you notice what? They keep coming in. Whether the tide goes out or comes in, the waves are continually there. It's wave upon wave. Now, there's some small waves. There's some big waves. But it's wave upon wave. And that, my friends, is the picture of grace that we get from Jesus. With his fullness, there is immeasurable grace. Have you sat there for a while and tried to count how many waves are coming in off of the sea onto the beach? It's impossible. After a while, you have to give up. There's just no way to count it. This is what I'm trying to... It's immeasurable grace for grace. God shows grace to you and I. Is that not awesome? That's the new way. All right, well, wait a minute, let's stop for a moment. Let's just pause. Okay, so we've we've hit three of the five right here. So he's superior. We've experienced his fullness. And it's immeasurable grace because of that fullness. Now let me just stop for a moment. That is so different than the mamsy pamsy Christianity that we're experiencing in North America today. Just being honest with you. Because Christianity in North America is this moralism, this trying to tell people how to live right when they themselves don't even live that way. It's this, you know virtue that we're trying to impress others with it has nothing to do with that it's this abstract emptiness that we try to make up with good music but have you noticed after a while the good music doesn't even satisfy that it's missing the most important thing your christianity isn't about a service or doctrine your christianity is about jesus christ Who is far superior than anyone else. Who is the fullness of God as we experience that in our lives. And who gives us immeasurable grace day by day. That's the reality of Jesus. That's what we should be moving towards. That's the reality of Jesus. So then... What I want you to do now is notice with me verse 17 and we're going to see the fourth point that's made here. And I guess this really should be stressed what we're seeing here in verse 17 in light of what I just shared with you about what's missing. Look at what he says. For the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. Now we understand the law, right? So here's my point. While the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. Here's the thing. We understand laws. Laws tell us what we should not do. Laws tell us how we need to act, how we need to think, what we need to do. And the problem with laws is is that laws always result in our breaking them. Paul would tell us in Romans that until I knew there was a law, I didn't sin. But because of the law now, I sin. Why? Because we have a tendency to want to break the law. And so while law came through Moses, why did that law come? To reveal to us our need for Jesus. He's saying grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace and truth for you and I. In fact, isn't that what he described in verse 14 when we talked about God with us, he who is full of grace and truth? Grace and truth, which comes, is who is who Jesus is, is now flowing out to us. It comes through him to you and I. So grace, which we've talked about already once, the immeasurable grace, grace for grace, it's there because of your grace. Having a relationship with Christ. Man, that is so different. Listen, that's so different than the way we operate. The way we operate, oh, I didn't do right today, I didn't have my devotions i didn't pray i messed up i made the wrong decision i sinned against you god god don't take it out on me god be merciful to me and listen we need to confess our sin i understand i'm not taken away from that but for so many we're living in this mindset that god is just waiting to put me under his thumb because i'm not doing right no the law came through moses But grace and truth came through Jesus to us. Is that not awesome? There's one final thing we see here, okay? Look with me at verse 18. And this is the reality. And I hope this stirs you. I'll I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Look with me at verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son... Who is in the bosom of the Father? He has declared Him. What's what's He saying? No one has seen God. Look, nobody has seen God. Well, haven't others seen His glory or His back? Yeah, but they haven't seen God face to face. Nobody has seen God face to face. You can't see God face to face and live. Not in our sinful self. In fact, that's the blessing of Revelation. When we go to be with Jesus in the end, when we receive our new bodies, it says that we will see God's face. That's one of the blessings of eternity later on. But right now, no one has seen God. Only Jesus, his begotten son, his only begotten son, who is in his bosom, has that relationship with him. He has. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus came to show us God the Father. Jesus came to show us God the Father. Here's here's the thing. You want to know who God is? You want to know how God interacts with you, especially when you fail? Look at Jesus. Jesus. Look at Jesus and how he interacted with people. Look at Jesus and how he, how he, his act. The accusation of Jesus was by the religious people, he is a friend of sinners and drunkards, tax collectors. Why? Because he hung out with real people, met them where they're at. Who did he not have time for? The religious, the Pharisees, who were doing all the right stuff, but their hearts weren't right. So do you want to know who God is? Just look at Jesus and see how he interacts with humanity through the Gospels. See his grace in the book of Acts by saving Paul. The persecutor of the church and meeting with him. You see that in the book of Acts. Do you, do you want to understand know who God is and, and his love and his care for you? Look to Jesus. See, this is what I'm trying to say to you. We've lost sight of Jesus, which means if you lose sight of Jesus, folks, you lose sight of God. So God becomes this moral judge who's ready to destroy us, who condemns everyone. When in fact, the scripture tells us he loved the world, that he saved his only son, Jesus, for us. See, here's here's the reality that I want you to understand. Why, Why look at this? Because I want you to grasp that your Christianity is more than just showing up here for a church service. Your Christianity is more than just giving your opinion in a Bible study. Your Christianity is Jesus, who wants a personal interaction with you. And as he interacts with you, you experience his fullness, the fullness of who he is as God, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, and of course, the grace, the immeasurable grace that he shows us. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you just going through the motions? Because they're meaningless. But are you deciding, you know what? I want to know him. And I'll follow him. I hope that's where you're at.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.